everyone, and welcome back to The Bloody Pit for a short little email podcast. Uh, we didn't want to lengthen out the last show. Uh, it was already two hours in length. We want to make it another half an hour at minimum long. So we decided to, to sh- well, which we had done last year. I mean, we start. I think we started this tradition last year where we, or maybe the year before over on the Nashy cast. Am I wrong, Troy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we've had at least maybe two of these kind of shows so far. Uh, maybe if, if at least uh, where yeah. we've done this just kind of mailbag shows. I think you're right. So what, what what we're doing is we're just doing a brief little email show here to to kind of catch up on some uh, backlogged correspondence, and uh, yeah. we've got a, we've got a few here, so we're going to read them out. And there's a number of questions and some observations that I think bear uh, bear public scrutiny. Yeah, for those of you new to this particular show, which is based on Rod's Bloody Pit, is basically this is just a show where Rod has collected several emails telling him how great he is, and he just wants a witness. <laughs> uh, he just wants someone to to. Uh... <laughs> uh, yes, I've I, I have altered a few to make it so obvious. You know, not to make it so obvious, but I mean, I'll I'll own up here. Maybe I'll edit this out later, just to make it appear as if I am in some quarters worshipped. So it's a uh, yeah. It's minor. It's just a little self-aggrandizement, a little narcissism, nothing special. Well, yeah, it's, yeah, I have to wonder why I notice on these emails, like these redacted places, you know, where there's just like whole lines <laughs> that are blacked out, you know. <laughs> or these strange, these strange blank gaps. It's like, what the hell? Yeah. Why, why did they like hit, hit return or enter like seven times? I don't understand. This doesn't make any sense. Anyway. <laughs> We've got uh, we've got a few here. Uh, I will start first with uh, this particular. Oh, by the way, I am Rod Barnett, and I'm Troy Gwynn. But I hope you already knew that by now. If this is the first of our podcasts that you're listening to, you might be a little lost, and I apologize for that. Yes, Rod is the Rod is the full time host of Bloody Pit. I'm uh, I've I've been on probably somewhere around maybe half the episodes, possibly something like that. Something like that. I would have to say, yeah, definitely. Considering, yeah, since we've been doing several series, especially this Universal 40s horror one's been going on quite a while. So by now, yeah, I've probably been on somewhere around, yeah, yeah, probably, probably 40, 50% of the Bloody Pit episodes. Yeah, several, quite a few Godzilla episodes. Uh, you yeah, and yeah. You and Jeff are the ones who join me for our occasional dips into the Fulci pool. So, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, all right. Well, let's start with this one. This is from Darth Perkins. He's, uh, he's written to us a number of times before. He says... Uh, uh, and Troy, interrupt me at any point if you would also like to praise me. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he says, uh, <laughs> "I've just come to bury you, buddy." That's that's not nice. Anyway, uh, he says, "Dear Rod, you seem a bit puzzled why the horrible, sexy vampire." was retitled The Vampire of Castle Frankenstein in Germany. So it will probably surprise you everything is retitled as Frankenstein in Germany. (laughs) Frankenstein, the Doctor, and the Monster have always been very popular in Germany, from the 1818 book to the 1931 film. Apparently, German filmgoers were very excited, as Godzilla's next opponent was going to be the Frankenstein monster, bringing together two of Germany's biggest monsters, as the first two Godzilla films were hits there. However, the opponent was changed to Kong, and the film was made as King Kong vs. Godzilla. 
I believe that the German dubbed version mentions that Kong was created by Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> it's definitely mentioned in later films that all of Godzilla's later foe, later foes and sometimes the big G himself are also Frankenstein creations. Now, Troy, <laughs> I got to stop right here in the middle of this email and ask you a simple question. Yes. You are, are my, are my most fervent feverish lunatic Godzilla fan. Uh, just out of curiosity, did you know this? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I kind of found out visually about it before anything else, because just coming across uh, uh, reproductions of German Godzilla, you know, kaiju posters that inevitably always had Frankenstein in the title. Um, and uh, you, you get to realize that basically for the Germans, there are only two monsters and that's Frankenstein and King Kong. Uh, so every Godzilla movie title over there is some variation of Frankenstein or King Kong, regardless of <laughs> whether wow. uh, any of those creatures have. And and I think, uh, of course, you can imagine what fun they must have had with Frankenstein Conquers the World, you know, because they're suddenly like, oh, gosh, we yeah. don't have to pretend this time. It's actually, it's you actually know, we there. can actually. But, but I would love to, of course, see a translation of all these films to see just how much they actually try to fold them into the Frankenstein universe. Probably in most of the films, it's maybe one line or something like, oh, by the way, you know, Frankenstein's responsible for this and, and, and they just go from there. <laughs> or, but, or something along the lines of curse Dr. Frankenstein for heaping this horror up on us or. <laughs> but, but sometimes when you see something that's, you know, a poster that's, you know, a gamma, you know, a, 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 a gamma versus Gaius, let's say, or something like that. And you see King Kong in the title and you're wondering which, okay, so, so which of these monsters are they trying to pass off as a giant furry ape? <laughs> 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 oh, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, let's yes, see. But it, it, yeah. I, I love this. Always kind of, I, I love the way that, especially going through the fifties, through the seventies, and and probably even through the eighties. Some the you know the various countries, what they did to find their own popular, you know, uh, find their own popular pulp icons and and pop pop culture icons and 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 you know be able to pass off a film that way. You know, I, I'm thinking of you know of course. Uh, you know, every like spaghetti westerns were, uh, you know, were always either you know Ringo or Django, um, yeah, or Sabata, yeah. or you know, just uh, that you know always had to work those into the titles, whether they were originally intended to be those films or not. Um, of course, Mabuza, Doctor Mabuza, and Orloff, you know, Orloff for the Spanish and Mabuza for the German Germans. You know, those names were used a lot in, in you know, to sell films. Um, or a lot of times I noticed with Germany, if you've got a thriller, you try and pass it off as an Edgar Wallace creamy, whether it is or not, you know, based on an Edgar Wallace yeah. story. So. Yeah, very <laughs> true there. Very true. Okay, uh, so Mr. Perkins goes on. He says, uh, this is why Godzilla films are retitled as Frankenstein films. For instance, Gidra the Three-Headed Monster in Germany is known as Frankenstein's Monster Fighting Gidra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. Okay. All right. Well, um, never let it be said that uh, I am uh, I'm uh, not shocked by this because it does. It is an eye-opening dis discovery to realize that in Germany, uh, kaiju films they just try to wedge Frankenstein into the title of it every time. That's that's crazy yeah. town. And if you think about it, I mean, you know, America has done that too. When you think of the uh, Peplum films that were passed off as as, as Samson or Hercules. Oh, I know films. But because those were names that Americans would recognize, you know, you know how many films were passed off that way, 
So. See, that's I think that may be why I'm so fascinated these days with with the machiste films, which are, are yeah. were always the ones that were altered to pretend, you know, to pretend that there were their main characters were named Samson or or they would mm-hmm. pretend it was a, a Hercules or a son of Hercules or whatever. And it's like when yeah. you find out the, the kind of legend of machiste stretching all the way back into, you know, filmmaking in the silent era. Well, I find Machiste to be just incredibly interesting. I'm like, that's mm. be- that's that's better than this, than this bullshit Samson thing. Hold on, <laughs> right? But then again, I'm not a producer trying to find a way to make money off of this crazy ass sword and sandal thing I bought from Italy. So, <laughs> okay, he continues. He says, uh, "How do horrible, sexy vampires fit in with horrible, fire breathing lizards?" Well, that's that's a good question, actually. That is a very good. Question. He says Frankenstein became a byword for horror in Germany, much like we say Hoover when we mean vacuum cleaner, or or uh, I would say Kleenex when we mean facial tissue. That's a, that's another good example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He says so. It's put into the title of a lot of horror and science fiction films. I have a feeling that Kong versus Godzilla was pre-sold as a Frankenstein movie. And Frankenstein had to be shoehorned in as a contractual obligation, but that's just my guess. I think that <laughs> happened before somewhere, and he trails um, off. Boy, mm. yeah, yeah. It seems like I remember just discussing that from time to time. <laughs> mm, yeah, a certain werewolf movie from 1968. Yeah, yeah, that might be it. Uh, and that is uh, that wraps up this email from our our uh, overseas correspondent, Darth Perkins. Thank you, yeah, sir. Thank you, Darth. Uh, next up, what do you what do you you've got you've got a couple of them there too, Troy. What do you got? What I do. Got okay, so here's one from uh, from Jason, and uh, he says uh, he addresses it to Rod, and then in parentheses and Troy, Adrian, and all your guests. Well, I am happy he lists me first among all of your many guests. So I do appreciate that. <laughs> well, you're on most of the shows, so. Yes, uh, he says. Uh, Just wanted to say thanks for everything you do. Once again, I find myself agreeing with you, not just about movies, but more abstract things like your recent discussion of guilty pleasures. Maybe it's something that comes with age and caring less about the opinion of others, but I feel the same way. If you enjoy something, enjoy it. I can recognize the silliness of something like The Devil's Reign, but still have a great time watching it. Not mocking it, just appreciating the craft of the movie and what it's trying to do. Here, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we said before, you know, it's it's. I don't think there's anything we any of us feel really guilty about liking. I think the closest thing I've ever thought to defining guilty pleasures for me now are the occasional things that you you couldn't really defend in an artistic sense to somebody. You know, if somebody really wanted to to to, to trash it, you you can't really come up with a whole lot of aesthetic reasons, but you're still going to just stand there and say, you know, it just it just pushes my pleasure centers. It's just something I <laughs> enjoy. You know. Um, and and uh, I think that's the close. And even then, you don't feel guilty about it. So, um, it's it's but, uh, uh, the, the the phrase might be it strokes my cinematic erogenous zones. How's that? that there you go. There you go. He says. Uh, he says a while back you talked about the obsession some collectors have with slipcovers and packaging. Oh yeah, that's a that's that that's one that gets Rod. And it's a bug. It's 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 a personal bugaboo. I have to admit. Yeah. He says, like you, I just want the movie. A beautiful package is a nice bonus. I'm a graphic designer, so I get it. But I don't care that much about shelf appeal. Give me a nice making of documentary or some interviews over extra cardboard any day. And yeah, to that I say here, here too. I mean, I've, I've, uh, yeah, the, the, um, the, the appeal of adding a steel case or a slip cover to something I already own is just, yeah, it's, it's just not. Uh, that's not going to get my wallet out of my pocket on that one. 
No, no. But if you if you add a, an extra interview or a commentary oh, track oh, or uh, yeah. even a still gallery of poster art, you're probably going to coax a dollar or two more out of me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and we probably all had that uh, frustration with trying to get a damn Blu-ray out of a slipcover, too, you know, which uh. is, and feeling like you're going to shred the thing if you don't manage to get And uh, finally, he says, again, thanks for so many podcasts. Uh, or he says, thank you for thanks for your many podcasts. 2022 has been an unexpectedly rough year and seeing a new episode pop up is always a treat. Your recent show on Boogie Nights was outstanding, and I'm looking forward to catching up on the last couple of Wild Wild podcasts. One question. Have you considered starting a Patreon? Uh, I want to support your work, but I admit I often forget to go to your blog and find that donate button. Well, thank you, Jason. Uh, actually, I have been um, at least saying out loud that I'll probably uh, find a way to learn how to start a Patreon. <laughs> I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't started a Patreon page, even though people have urged me at different times over mm-hmm. the past five years that it would be a good idea, uh, mm-hmm. mainly because... I don't want to. No, it's a, it's, <laughs> I, 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 it's 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 uh, it's an uphill climb to 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 get me to learn a whole new skill set uh, because no. you know I'm essentially a lazy bastard and yeah. uh, also I, get you, man. I, I gotta be honest at uh, lurking at the center of my reluctance to do that has been the the feeling that uh, it, it's it's kind of twofold one. The feeling: Are there really enough people out there that would actually would actually participate in such a thing? And then the the flip side of it, which would be, and if people did start to participate, um, I would feel obligated to pr- to produce some little something for them as kind of a bonus or an extra to to make make it uh, to to kind of make me make it feel to me at least as if I were providing them some little something to to make it. I don't know worth their while worth their while in a way. Now I know that that's not necessarily something that you need to do if you start a Patreon page and you start doing that kind of thing. You don't need to have perks for you know other people. It's just you know you know or you know extra shows or anything like that that are hidden as part of the 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 feed for um, uh, people who contribute. But at the same time. I know how my brain works, and I know that if I did start doing that and people did start contributing, I would feel a kind of obligation to do a little something for them. And so what I might, if I do it, you'll understand that I'll, I will have overcome both, you know, my own self-loathing and my, <laughs> and my own fear of the desire of the, 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 of putting more on my shoulders, um, in a, in a silly way. But at the same time, I can't deny that it would be a good idea because just having, um, the, uh, the, uh, the hosting fees taken completely off my shoulders. I mean, they're mostly taken off my shoulders these days by the the just random wonderful donations that we occasionally get. I mean, I, I I'm always shocked and surprised when some notification pops up, but it right. uh, I can see how it would be a wise move. And so, if in the next, let's say, six months, I start a Patreon, don't be surprised. But also, if month seven clicks onto the calendar and I haven't done it yet. Don't be too shocked either. So we'll uh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. But oh, yeah. And, well, I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. No, no. I was just gonna say you're talking about putting in like you know kind of extra bonus things or incentive. I mean, you know, to me that's kind of like um, you know the the same as 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 when you just do a little blog entry over some movie you've just seen or something. You know, uh, I know you still. Yeah, I guess that's you, you true. probably. 
you know, we just something that I think people would appreciate even a link to even even where your blog pops up like your blog entries pop up on your Patreon feed, you know, just as means of them seeing it where it just comes through their email and they don't have to go anywhere, hunt it up. Or if they happen not to, they might not see all of your Facebook posts. You know, you do great fa- Facebook posts of just, you know, comic book covers and, and things that are just, you know, you're getting into or coming across there, you know, and if you have some sort of feed where some of those pop up on your Patreon feed that people don't, you know, that way they actually yeah. see them, everything that you, you know, the little things like that. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm saying it doesn't have to mean, I think a whole lot of extra, you know, extra work. Um, just, just, just send videos of your crazy new cat that uh, we love so much. Uh, you know, just pancake. Well, no, you did just give me an idea there, though. I got to admit, the idea of just sitting down and verbally, you know, like spending between five and ten minutes just, just talking about whatever movie I just recently saw that has kind of yeah. inspired some kind of reaction within me. Those could be good as little bizarre extras that people might be willing they they might be willing to listen to, or they might consider as uh, some kind of incentive to join a Patreon page. I don't know, but yeah. that's 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 a good idea. This this is this is this is why uh, this is why I keep you around, Troy. You have uh, you have good ideas <laughs> that I can steal and and use for my own my own my own profit. So that's good. I like it. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me see. I've got another oh, one. Oh, and I just want to say oh. one more thing about Jason's uh, match. I just want to, I want to back him up on the great job that you and uh, John Hudson did on Boogie Nights. That oh. was terrific. Uh, um, yeah, really good episode. And uh, um, and what are the last couple of Wild Wild podcasts that you guys have done? You and Adrian, what are your last couple? Oh, of episodes well, of- we've uh, we're finishing. We just finished up the little mini season we did on Luigi Cozzi. Uh, we've talked about uh, his two Hercules movies. We talked about mm-hmm. uh, the bizarre thing that he did to the original Godzilla back in 1977. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, we talked about uh, the Black Cat and his uh, his most recent film from 20... Well, it's not his most recent film now, but uh, the movie he put out in 2016 called The Blood on Melier's Moon. <clears throat> which, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we touch on that just a little bit um, at the end of the the Black Cat episode, um, and it's been a lot of fun. I I, I got to be honest. Uh, we we started with you know we started with uh, the, the what I consider to be probably the finest film that he ever made. We talked about uh, his Giallo, The Killer Must Kill Again, which I just I just yeah. think is an exceptional exceptional film. It, it is. A, I y'all love that film. Really good. Yeah, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. And, of course, right now we're prepping a bunch of questions because Adrian's actually going to get the chance to uh, interview Mr. Kotze. Uh, no, so that's awesome. Yeah, I know, I know. I, 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 the, the, the problem is we were, we were both going to participate in the uh, the interview, but there's just no way working it out with the time difference between Nashville, London, mm-hmm. And yeah. Rome, no matter when we did it, I was just like, okay, you, you guys, you guys are going to be much better off trying to do it just between the two of you, because and yeah. I, I'm just like preparing some questions uh, to be asked. It's like and be nice, but you know, I would either be up at uh, you know three in the morning trying to do this, or uh, one of them would be up at some. Well, the, both of them would be up at some ridiculous hour. So it's like we we need to make this easy. So yeah, okay, well, great. That's that's going to be something to look forward to then, definitely. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I have to admit, uh, yeah. it's it's the uh, the the shows have been great. It's been fun to do this little mini season, and uh, once we uh, get that interview with Mister Kotzi, that's going to be really great. And then uh, after that, for Wild Wild Podcast, we're going to dig into uh, the post apocalypse genre. Ooh, ooh, that should be good. Yeah, I know you've got you've got some affection for that particular genre as well. I do, man. I do. I do. Anything that 
shows that destruction, you know, destruction <laughs> is often followed by, you know, leather and, and spiked hair and, you know, and, and fancy studded outfits. Studded leather. Don't forget the studded leather. Studded leather outfits and souped up cars and, mm-hmm. you know, that's a, yeah. And and cool synthesized soundtracks, you know that's a that's a that's a end of the world I could look forward to. We are all the children of the road warrior. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, next email from Kurt. Uh, no, I, I, Kurt is a frequent contributor to the mailbag, and for that I am very happy. He says greetings, Rod. Uh, he does not uh, he does not mention anyone else, and for that I apologize. <laughs> Sorry. He says, many thanks to you and David Annandale for covering The Monster Maker. That's uh, a couple episodes ago, um, our author David Annandale and I sat down to talk about the Poverty Row film, The Monster Maker. He says, after years of avoiding the movie, I finally saw it last year on YouTube. He said it was a surprisingly good print. I was amazed at how entertaining and well done the movie was. I had shied away from it because I thought it would be a boring, tepid potboiler, but I was wrong. J. Carol Nash and Ralph Morgan were quite good, and I thought Romanian-born Tala Birel brought depth to the usually thankless role of the doctor's assistant who's in love with them. And I would uh, I would agree there. I think I think she does a, uh-huh. a pretty darn good job in that movie. If you've not checked out The Monster Maker and you've got a free hour, go do it. You'll <laughs> still have a minute to spare. So <laughs> yeah, I've not seen it. I would have to. I'd, I'm going to have to watch that. Well, how, how how could you have escaped it? It's popped up on so many public domain DVDs over the years. <laughs> yeah, it's almost yeah, like they, I, there came a certain yeah. point when I wondered how many copies I had. You know. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I, no, it's one I'm, I'm I'm well familiar with. I mean, it's just always seen its name there. But I, if I've watched, if I ever saw it, I don't recall seeing it. And maybe it could be once I go to watch, it, I'll be like, oh God, I did see this years ago, but I, I don't believe I have. Well, it's a uh, it's a doozy. <laughs> You need to check it out. Uh, Kurt says, A couple of details that would have been fun to mention on the show, although I realize that you don't want to make the podcast too long. Ralph Morgan was the brother of Frank Morgan. Of course, um, Frank Morgan was the Wizard of Oz. And I'll be honest, I thought we we mentioned that in there. Maybe Mr. Annandale and I just talked about that before we started recording and we didn't manage to squeeze it into the recording session. Mm -hmm. That's a possibility. Of course, you and I talked about that when we uh, we talked about Ralph Morgan in um, uh, Black Friday. Yeah, right. Uh, back a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, and he also says, and The Monster Maker was the first film scored by the usually bombastic Albert Glasser. Oh, that's true. I had not, yeah, you're right. We did not talk about Mr. Glasser. And to be honest, I did not realize that it was the first movie that he scored. But that's interesting. That's certainly wow. a bit of cinema history there. Yeah, it definitely is. Very cool. He says, I look forward to you and your guests covering other PRC films. Yes, The Devil Bat and Bluebeard. Maybe even Detour. Yeah, all of the all three of those would be fun. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Detour isn't a horror film, but it is the most pitch black oh, film noir yeah. ever. <laughs> God, Detour yeah. is such a dark film. I know it's one of those. At the end of it, you're just like, yeah, that that film makes a good case for why you should just stay single <laughs> forever. <laughs> forever, yeah. Or maybe just put stones in your in your pockets and walk into the sea. I don't know. <laughs> or at least just have no human interaction whatsoever <laughs> with anybody. <laughs> he says he says, I love your affection for these poverty row productions and the non cynical sense of humor you bring to the show. Well, thank you, Kurt. That's that's really sweet. That's awesome. But I and I and I do love Mr. Annandale and I both. I hope I hope 
we we made it clear we really love those movies. There's I'm not looking down on those movies at all. Yeah. I mean, there are things yeah. to lament about them, mostly from the budget standpoint, and you know the fact that occasionally it feels like pages from the script were just lost somewhere in a in a in a, in a trash can. But mm. those films are they're very entertaining. So yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I can always enjoy a good. You know, they're entertaining, and it's not like going to take a huge chunk out of your afternoon. You know, to, to, <laughs> no. To you can, as a matter of fact, I, 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 what was it? The there, there were the nine the nine Bella Lugosi poverty row horror films. I think you if you spread it out, you could watch all of them in like four days. Like doing, you, know, you do like <laughs> yeah. two a yeah. two a night, and squeeze a third one in on that last day. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, would be wouldn't be difficult. He says, uh, "Keep up the great work. All the best, Kurt." And Mister uh, Mister Kurt, I will not use your last name. Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, glad you're enjoying the the at least the bizarre variety. The, this the Bloody Pit more than any other show that I'm involved with. Uh, definitely showcases something that I know that Troy and I talk about off off mic quite a bit, which is that um, as far as watch habits, we zig and zag all over the place. Yeah, um, yeah. You, you, there's no telling what we'll watch from night to night and day to day just out of curiosity and the sheer desire to just watch something different from what we watched last time, you know, and yeah. uh, the, the show Absolutely. for better, the, the bloody pit for better or worse showcases that. And uh, I think it's I think it's a strength, but I, I, I do understand how some people might be put off by it because you can't really predict what we'll be talking about next. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I know what you mean. It's it's like in our in our. You know, in in that continual knowledge that you will go to your grave not having seen so many things you wanted to see, you know, it's yeah. why I think we just try and cast a wide net in your life to whatever time you do have for viewing, you, you know, you just you don't want to get to go down to to get too much of a rut when there's just so much to experience out there. And every year when I post my the best year films that I saw in the in the past year, there's always people come up going like saying, I can't believe you hadn't seen that already. It's just like, yeah, I know. But. You know, there's just always going to be those films like that, you know, that, uh, you know, that I know I should have gotten to, you know, years ago. But just uh, I've been bouncing around, you know, all my life from genre, genre, film to film. And there's just some you you just takes a while to, to finally to, to finally put it and get into your hand and get on the get in the in the in the Blu-ray player. Yeah, it takes it takes. Uh, you're right. There, there are still there are movies that came out last year that I'm still kicking myself that I haven't seen yet. But at the same time. I learned a long time ago that it's like, you know, there, there's not a test on this. <laughs> there's, yeah, right, no one, yeah. No yeah. one's grading me on this. And if I want to see it, I'll eventually get to it. It's fine. I mean, there are some yeah. things that I kind of want to rush to see because they're such a large part of the kind of the public consciousness that I don't want, you know, I don't want plot points spoiled. Sure, uh, sure. And, and those those I'll rush to see as quickly as possible just so that I don't, you know, so that I can have the kind of experience with, the, with particular films that I want to have. But, yeah. um, yeah, there. You know, it's it's always going to be that way. It's there's always going to be more that I can see. All right, so are we on to to yeah. me reading one here now? Yeah, we're on to uh, the other Kurt, the Kurt with a K. Yes. This is other. Yes, Kurt with a K here is is written in, and he says, "Dear Rod, once again, you and the Sangler, because it is all about you." Uh, he says, "Dear Rod, <laughs> congratulations on your Ace commentary track with Robert Manell on the other side of the mirror." Says, as usual, you saw things that I missed. In any case, it's great to see Mondo Macabro featuring the original intended cut as a feature instead of having to dig it up as an extra on a French DVD. Yes. He says, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we're all 
oh, uh, also happy that uh, a, a, a good print, good version of this film came out. He says, "I run hot and cold with Jess Franco." <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a most statement. people do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I would, I would add to that, but never lukewarm. You know, we always run hot and cold with Jess, but rarely lukewarm. True. Um, he says, "When he's on, there's nothing else like him." But, but at one time, he said he'd get bored while making a movie and would start thinking about the next one. To my mind, there's nothing more painful than bored Franco. <laughs> he says that after Female Vampire, I can't make myself watch anything further of his with Lena Romay. Okay, now that I would, I would want you might want to rethink that, Kurt. Um, yeah, I, because I, I can understand if if he has the objection to Female Vampire that I do, which is that it is, you know, it's uh, forty five minutes of film stretched to yeah. the breaking oh, point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, uh, but I will say this: there are a number of fantastic films that he made with Lena Romay. Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, yeah. one that uh, one that uh, Mondo Macabro put out. Um, oh, I think they put it out before they put out Other Side of the Mirror. I'm trying to remember when that one came out. Anyway, there are there are some good ones, and I'd be more than uh, more than willing to provide a good. Uh, a good list of about five that if you haven't seen them, I would recommend. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Even when she's just a secondary player in them, I think even like something like Jack the Ripper, which I mean, she isn't the star of, she's just a, she's just a player in it. I think uh, are worth your time. So very good one. Yeah. 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 There's definitely, yeah, I can, I can understand that why that would start you off on the wrong, why a female vampire might <laughs> yeah, be, uh, yeah. Not, but it's not atypical. I mean, yeah, yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, she made so many films with him, and and yeah, she, some of his worst are with her. But uh, but I really do feel like he made some really quality stuff with Lena. She was uh, she was you know uh, don't don't let just her name you know turn you off. She'll she'll surprise you with some of the work she does in some of these like Lorna the Exorcist, you know, which we did. You know, really enjoyed that one. Yep. Um, he says, so what a lucky break to get Emma Cohen as the lead. I think it made the other side of the mirror's longest gestation period worth it. Well, that and the freedom of the, in the 1970s to be more explicit about what was going on. He says, it never occurred to me that Anna, I'm assuming that's Anna, Emma Cohen's character, it never occurred to me that Anna's father engaged in incest, at least while he was alive. We never even see him in the same shot with the adult Anna until he's dead. Yep. To my mind, the end of the movie shows what the relationship was straining toward on the father's end and what he can finally engage in now that he's a ghost and a terrible memory and is free from social constraints. He says, to my mind, a lot of the movie is about how Anna has to deal with a succession of terrible men, either possessive authoritarians like her father or libertines who step over the women in their lives in order to hit on Anna, and how she internalizes that going from being possessed by her father to, well, being possessed by her father. He says, at the same time, The Other Side of the Mirror is a wonderful hangout movie showing what Anna could be among a like-minded milieu, before, of course, it's all shattered. And I'm always down for a Franco nightclub scene. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and the movie has a, good, a few good ones, it's true. He says, it's interesting that Anna's first and last suitors had opposite arcs. Her fiancé came from a more free-love background and expressed admiration for the straight listeners on Madeira. And her older final, final lover chattered about how Mussolini was good for Italy, something Anna's father might have said, even as the lover macked on her in front of his wife. Yep. He says, anyway, enough rambling. Thank you for getting me to think more about the movies I see, Kurt. Uh, well... Thank you very much, Kurt. Um, I was I was very pleased with the fact that we got the chance to talk about um, the other side of the mirror. I, I consider it to be one of the one of the great gifts of uh, that Mondo Macabro has ever given me. I mean, mm-hmm. they the the fact that they allowed uh, Mr. Monell and I to talk about that movie is is wonderful because 
there is so much within it, and, I, and you you can hear me discussing it uh, at length. The uh, the uh, way Franco rather brilliantly uses uh, reflections and uh, windows and the uh, the kind of uh, stark way in which people view people from from a distance and the 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 whole interplay of whether or not certain things are happening and the the doomed nature of the protagonist plus Emma Cohen is fantastic she just turns in such a fantastic performance in the film yeah, other side of the mirror is um it's it's just a hell of a movie it's honestly one of Jess Franco's best films in my personal opinion and and, and as far as um as far as my own personal like top five Francos, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. number one or two. It's just an exceptional piece of filmmaking, and it's the kind of thing that anyone who wants to tell you that you know the, the films that Franco was making that are of this type that feel like he's uh, making films in a kind of free jazz style, which is what he was doing at the time. Um, that they just don't have any taste for them. That they have a that they that they aren't they aren't very good because they they have you know, so little structure. They have so little point. There's so little to see in them. This is the movie that puts the lie to that kind of criticism mm-hmm. of that period of Jess Franco's filmmaking and the style that he undertook to tell the stories that were so personal to him at the time. And I think that it is the best example of just something you could just put down and you could put put in front of someone and say. Honestly, I understand your 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 problems with that type of film from Franco. Try this one, and if this one doesn't do it for you, I I, I you know you just need to stay away from that particular <laughs> that particular period of Franco altogether, uh, yeah. because I think that it it kind of is a, a a wonderful a wonderful film for encompassing a lot of what he was trying to do, and it also by dint of him coming at this kind of subject matter multiple times before this, he'd finally honed down exactly what he was doing with this kind of story to such a, uh, to such a beautiful, uh, straightforward uh, story form that he finally got to the point where this was almost inevitable and it finally happened. And I think a lot of it may be that he had someone who, was so different from what he was used to, you know, the, the people he was used to working with, which was Emma yeah. Cohen at the center. I think that in a lot of ways that she kind of elevates it, not just by her own performance, but by the collaboration with Franco in crafting the movie altogether. I think it's, I think it's great, but I'm, I'm, I'm babbling here now about this film. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, no, it's easy. You know, if, if people were to, you know, go back and listen to some of our, you know, I'm sure, you know, some of our early episodes of like, you know, where we covered Horror Rises from the Tomb on Nashy Cast or uh, Cutthroats 9 or anything with Emma Cohen, they would hear us go through our filmography and just kind of drool over this film. The prospect of, yeah, you know, of uh, of of him working with Emma Cohen. And, and, and I'm sure on those shows we said, oh, man, if we could only get a good print of that film. So <laughs> so, uh, you know, thanks uh, to Mondo Macabro for finally making that, uh, you know, our dreams come true as far as that goes. But, yeah, I'm sure you and I both. Wish we wish that uh, yeah well wish there was just more Emma Cohen, Cohen films in general but I uh, would have loved to to have seen her uh, do more with both Nashi and with Franco. Very true, very true. But uh, thank you once again, Kurt, for the kind words about the uh, the commentary track there. And uh, we can say that there, there is good news on the horizon for uh, more Nashi cast commentary tracks. There will definitely be another. Nashi film on the horizon uh, with a uh, Nashi cast commentary track. We uh, we won't talk yep. openly about it now. There has been a tentative 
public announcement of a, of, of a title forthcoming, but we'll just leave it at that for now. But yeah, as far as uh, more Nashi cast on a uh, Blu-ray disc, that is, uh, that's, uh, that's coming. So yeah. Yep. Very happy about that. Very happy. Yes, we do. Me do. Me do. <laughs> um, well, I guess that's, uh, those are the, those are the emails that we had for this particular, uh, little mailbag segment. Uh, once again, if you want to reach us, the email address is thebloodypit at gmail.com. And I don't know why my voice is doing this very weird thing right now. I, this, this head cold will not stop. It's just every now and then it's like <laughs> something happens to my voice. I don't understand what it is. Yeah, that has been going on with you for a while now, I know, but uh, you still sound better than you, you did. Oh, God. Man, back, back in December, you. back in December, oh, I sounded back. I sounded like someone had packed cotton into my sinus passages, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was it was terrible but um once again everyone thank you very much for listening to the show thank you for writing yeah. in uh contribute to the show in any way that you wish uh maybe one day there will be a patreon page i i can't promise anything i'm i'm no good at this kind of thing i don't even like i don't even like pointing out that there is a button on the bloody pit of rod blog page where you can donate to the to offset the cost of this particular show and uh, we would be grateful to any and all such uh contributions thank you again yes, and with that i think uh we will say adieu i am rod barnett i'm troy gwen and we will talk to you again very soon